Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. All right, so uh, welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 182. This is uh, the one you voted for on uh, negotiation and I think for many they're really excited because um, I know some people have been campaigning for um, a Q&A show on this particular topic. So thank you very much everyone who's jumping in uh, to watch, uh, say week 182. The idea of this uh, show is that every single week I answer questions that you ask uh, in different areas of entrepreneurship, of startup business and so on. And uh, this, and every weekend I ask you in a poll, what would you like it to be on? And this week the, uh, the focus has been on, on negotiation. Uh, I forget off the top of my head what it was um, that uh, the, it was up against. But the other topic, it was neck and neck on Facebook. However, on, um, on Instagram, it was about a third more people voted for negotiation. So, that, so because of, um, because of uh, Instagram, uh, this is the topic for this week. So if you have a question on negotiation, do jump in uh, and share here. Uh, 182 weeks uh, means we've answered a lot of your questions so far. So thank you so much, those of you. I can see you coming in already uh, who watch every single week. It really means a lot to me. And you know what a good way to start off our Monday by getting together and discussing things that are valuable to your business. So I'm um, just doing the housework here in the UK. Uh, sorry, on, on uh, Facebook. Those of you who are watching, give us a wave if you're on Instagram. Uh, give us a thumbs up if you're on Facebook uh, and give us a, a hand clap if you like if you're watching live on LinkedIn up there as well. Uh, so it's nice to, to be uh, live on all of the platforms. Um, I'm going to just tune into LinkedIn in a second. It'd be nice to see uh, who's on board there. But if you're watching right now, put into the comments hashtag team live and t let us know where you're watching from. So what city you're in as well. If you're catching us on the replay, so on IGTV, on the podcast, wherever, uh, then put in the ha in the uh, comments hashtag team replay and where you're watching from as well. Uh, always good to see who's watching and from where, and uh, uh, nice to see you lot jumping in today. So if you have a question on negotiation, do jump in. Nice to see here, see you here, David Potts uh, over from Canada, I think in Toronto on Facebook. Chantel is watching from Wisconsin, Ottawa. My fault, uh, David. Uh, uh, Daniel Nunes watching out of Phoenix as well. Uh, Jovan Campbell. Uh, good to see you here, my man. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, let us know where you're watching from. Uh, Victoria Rush, team live on a train from Bishop Stortford to White City. <laughs> I'm in London, actually, uh, on Wednesday, uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, Victoria. So if you're still in the area, let me know. And more Brooklyn NYC's, unsurprisingly, in New York. Uh, James, uh, James C. Fulton in Missouri. Uh, and uh, quite a few of you uh, elsewhere. Jerome Sean, uh, also Pepe Vash. Uh, and B. Great, cool name by the way. Uh, so let's have a look over on LinkedIn and say thank you to those who are joining in as well. Uh, if I just uh, refresh over here, gosh, I'm not got my admin right today. Um, so we've got uh, questions on negotiating. If you have a question, put it in the comments right now, uh, and I will try my best to get to it. Uh, but I've already got a bunch of questions that came overnight, so thank you very much for this. Just to give you know a bit of a background, so. My first job back in like 2002, straight out of university, was cold calling and selling online marketing, so like internet marketing. So it's really, it's been fun since that day 
doing probably by now thousands of deals, some of them tiny, uh, some of them way bigger. And some of them, of course, not all of them always involve um, uh, some level of negotiation. So uh, I've had plenty of time doing it. 17 years is a fair amount of time on the pitch. Uh, and of course, these are my own ideas uh, when it comes to how to handle it. So let's have a look at some of the uh, people watching on uh, LinkedIn. We've got uh, Thomas Earp, Team Live from Rome, Georgia. Uh, uh, Joe Gill, Gill watching from Boston, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Akuri Esther watching live from London. Nice to see you here. Team live uh, in London. Simon Ozimore, what steps should I take with regards of negotiating with clients? Got a question just on that in a minute. We'll cover. Joanna Vayu is watching from Estonia. Diana Nyan watching from Melbourne. Uh, and uh, one more person. I've got who else? We've got. Um, oh, the, I don't have anyone. Oh, Carolina Mankowski watching from Miami. So let's get into it. Hello, Heather, watching from Georgia as well. And uh, Jovan Campton, uh, Campbell watching from Brampton. Enough hellos because there's a lot of you joining all the time. So, questions on negotiation. Let's start. First one that came through last night from Tamika Sears over on, these are all through Facebook actually. What's your best negotiation story? Uh, on top of my head, I'm, I'm literally just throwing these on the paper. So on top of my head, I don't know about the best one, but I do, I do remember one really well, which was a very interesting lesson. And the lesson uh, was about the perception of value, okay? So I remember um, that uh, it was, I'll never, I remember so many of my deals. So I remember it was 2004 and I was selling a uh, website called Airport Technology. If you go online, it's still there to this day. It started like 20 years ago. And um, basically, I, I, we were selling a package where we market you um, through this portal to buyers in the industry, but also part of the pro package was that you would get optimized uh, profile in the search engines as well. And I remember really well that we were talking about it and he was, he was saying, this is really good. This is the managing director of the company at the time based over in Belgium, wonderful guy, I remember. Um, and he said, um, this, is, uh, this is really good, it's what we're after. Um, it's not entirely negotiation, but it kind of is. Um, he said, this is, this is absolutely brilliant, however, I'm really into, I've heard a lot about this thing called search engine optimization. I'd love to get hold of that as well. And I said, well, well, we do that too. Now at this point, because I was fairly new to the game, I didn't re really realize that, um, uh, you know, I could separate things and, and work and play with value. And what was really interesting was that um, uh, the package he got had as standard a focus on improving him in the search engines. And so, he, and so I said, well, we do that too. You know, that's something we focus on. He said, how much would it be? Because the price point was like three and a half thousand quid at the time for 12 months with us on this website. And he said, how much would it be for the search engine thing as well? And I remember it was a really important moment. I remember just stopping, like it was probably less than a quarter of a second. Something in my brain went, another thousand pounds and he went a thousand euros because he's in Belgium and he went oh, yeah no cool that sounds good let's do that then as well I went and it's interesting so he so I added on a thousand pounds worth of perceived value and he was completely fine with it and in fact the package was three and a half uh, but I, then, then it sold it for four and a half and it made me realize that truly what in front of me was an example of if someone really sees value in something then you can attribute a, uh, a monetary amount to it. And of course, if there wasn't value in something, 
then you would you'd be able to take that away and it was fascinating because from then on i realized that if there were elements to a package people weren't interested in, I could, inverted commas, remove them and say, well, that represents a certain amount of money. Or indeed, if there was an issue with what I was offering, I could say, well, why don't I add value, add items, and that can bring the price up. A bit like adding a CD player to a car, I'm showing my age, uh, a decent stereo or leather seats or whatever to a car to bring the price up a bit more as well. So it was a fascinating idea that, that actually, the guy wanted this thing so much he was willing to pay a third more for it. Uh, and so at that point, it was kind of negotiation, but not really, because it wasn't too difficult. But I do remember it so well, because it taught me a really important lesson, which was that if someone sees some value in something, that actually can be worth something uh, in terms of uh, money as well. So I really enjoyed that moment, and, and it, it took me uh, a kind of upper level in terms of my selling. Um, those of you just joining in just now, thank you so much uh, for watching. Give us a thumbs up if you're into negotiation. I cannot remember what the other topic was. Maybe someone can fill me in on Facebook from the, um, uh, from the poll, what, what the other topic was. But negotiation was what you chose on Saturday in the poll to focus on. And uh, so if you have any questions on negotiation, let me know. Next one from Juice Peshik has asked, uh, when you present your offer and you see a smirk or a frown, do you immediately ask what they prefer and negotiate down from there? Or do you continue presenting the value it brings them? Uh, neither you need to act more human in this moment. So if someone says, if someone shows you, gives you, this is why it's important to ideally negotiate face to face if you can, or worst case you do a, a Zoom or Skype course, you can see the reactions of the people on the phone, which is where I learned my trade. It's exceedingly difficult because you're trying to, um, you know, you're trying to like sense what the person is, how is reacting, but in fact you're blind. But if you sense something, and it's got to be in your gut, if you sense something is up, and especially if you see a smirk or like a what or a wince or something, call it. It's the best policy is call it, because the truth is what you've got right there is feedback. And if you have feedback of that nature, you should react to it. You should be saying to yourself, right, this feedback represents their worldview of, of what we're talking about right now. So I need to fix that. And so don't move on. Don't, in your words here, don't pre continue presenting the value it pr brings them because right now he's got this, this, this kind of um, this speed bump. Okay, You're not going any further until she, unless you've handled it. If you ignore it and continue with, with presenting your value, you end up moving on from this issue, but they haven't. The person you're speaking to is like, they're off thinking about this like, ah, this is a problem, or I'm, I've got a bit of an issue here, or, but if they present it, if they wince or smirk or something, you need to be like, what did I say wrong here? You know, what did I do? You know, what have I missed? Where did I drop the ball? It's a really important thing to say. Okay, so, so I would be saying, you, you reacted there in a way that I'm, I'm surprised with, I don't really get the reaction, what's up? Talk to me, tell me. Because, if you don't have an open, honest relationship based on trust with someone, there's no deal happening, okay? So it makes sense to handle that problem right then and there. Call it is the answer. I would absolutely call it. So then that allows you to understand where the problem is. So for instance, you may have presented everything and they're like, I love it, I think it sounds good. But then you give them a price and they're like, what? And what it represents is 
their view on how much you really should be charging. In that moment, that represents that the price was actually too much relative to their perception of what value you're offering. For others, it's not the case. For others, they're like, yeah, cool, that makes sense. I see, I would expect that. And I, had an, I remember a negotiation, it wasn't even a negotiation, it was literally delivery of the price last year, and I got a favorable response to it, and the guy was like, I totally get it. I mean, it's actually, that's really reasonable for what you're offering. And that's a really nice response because that, that represents, again, feedback that the value I've presented that person in this moment right now is uh, attributable to the amount of money I'm asking for. Do understand that everyone you ever interface with has a... Um, uh, there's part of their brain that will decide in that moment if what you're offering is of value. If they have been burnt in the past, they will have a different view to if they haven't. If they've just spent money on something like what you've spent, they'll be all loved up about that person and they might not therefore be so bothered by you. If you haven't warmed them effectively and impressed them to begin with and or positioned yourself correctly, then they're not gonna think much of you either. There's many different ways of looking at this, but the truth is that if you line them all up correctly, their perception of value will be sufficiently high that actually negotiation doesn't really need to take place. Let's see if I've missed anything here. I don't look like I have, um, but if you immediately ask for what they prefer and negotiate down from there. I think what you're also asking here Deuce, is, um, you know, if, if someone's got a problem with your price, do you just ask what they would prefer to pay? I, I think it's important, to, well, the reason why I answer your question the way I have so far is really important is because you've written if there's a smirk or a frown and that's like if someone's like you're, you're full of you're full of whatever because this is just a joke kind of price if someone doesn't um buy into you or think that you're a bit of a joke call that don't, don't be aggressive because obviously it's important to retain some rapport with them but just don't give up on on what you're selling but but without question you need to call them on that if, however, they're taking you seriously and they're like, ah, oh, um, that's too much, well, then we're in another place. And, and actually what we're, what we're doing here is dealing with someone who does like it, but actually has a problem, legit problem with the price. So in that case, a good idea at this point is just to say, just to check, what do we think in terms of the package? And that's the point when someone will say, look, well, in principle, I think this is awesome. And then they've earned the right to negotiate. So never negotiate, or rather negotiate last on price. Never negotiate on it until you're convinced that they are convinced that they want to do it. If they're like, I'm not really, I don't know about this package, it's not really for me. Negotiating on price will not fix the problem. Because what you're trying to do here is, is fix it by making it cheaper. The issue is they don't see value in what you're offering, not on the price. It's not the issue in terms of how much you're paying. It's just a relative thing. So you need to focus on the value, focus on checking that they are liking it. If they don't, fix that. Don't worry about the price yet. But if they do think there's value juice, and it's just that technically the price is too much for them, well, then that's the point where you could ask, yeah, as you, as, as you say, you know, what would you prefer or, or words to the effect of, you know, what kind of price point would it need to be for you to feel more comfortable? It's a good question to ask because at that point, if someone's like, look, I love it, but like it's too much for me. And you say, how much would it need to be? Then the, the response represents what they see in, in terms of the value of it. So if someone's like, do you know what? 
instead of $10,000, I can give you 50, then it's like, do you know what? He doesn't see the value or he just is broke. Or if they're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, maybe if it was a thousand less or whatever, well, then you know what you're operating with. And it's for you to decide if you want to take it further and spend there. So just crucial to remember that um, they have to earn the right to play around with your price with you. And that starts with them saying, do you know what, in principle, I wanna buy this and, and convincing you that they're sold on it. So hopefully that makes sense. Give us a thumbs up if it does. If you're just joining in now, let us know where you're watching from and if you're hashtag team live or hashtag team replay over on LinkedIn. We've got messages coming in all over the place. Travis Higginbottom, owner and BP uh, of sales consumer products for something. It went off the screen, so I can't read the rest. It also interrupts your agenda, though. Last thing you want to do is get off track, right? I think you're speaking to someone else. Fine. Uh, Rick Hogan, if you have a potential in client that is neg delivering negative energy towards you, I always ask them what's going on for you. If they stay negative, I move on. If relationships in business or in love start off negative, hard work and stress 100%. Yeah, essentially what you're saying is absolutely right here, Rick. Um, if someone is giving you a bit of a negative vibe, deal with it. Don't just hope you can win them over by giving them more value. They've got a problem right now. And the best relationships that carve out the, the you know, the long-term deals that end up being ones where you don't play games and you don't kind of, um, you know, negotiate all the way down to the ground are the ones based on being open with each other. So it's a really strong example of where you would be want, wanting to say, like, what's up here? Wherever drop the ball or what, 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 tell me what you're thinking because there's no point in continuing until such time as that person feels better about what's going on. If they think you're a joke at the very start, that's different because people are conditioned if it's a cold approach that probably you're gonna waste their time. So you have to earn the right to continue. Still, if you got further down, down the line and you know into your process, you're doing a really good job with them, but now they, they start to go a bit negative on you, decide at that moment to stop and say like, Rick, what's up? What have we missed here? It's a very important uh, uh, part to the process. Ignoring a problem doesn't send it away, and that's the same for pretty much anything, right? Not just in negotiating. So a really good point there. Uh, Yulis watching from Indonesia. Nice to see you here. Thank you very much. Miss Sears is watching from Phoenix, according to uh, Daniel. Brian Direct watching live from Miami in the sunshine over there, no doubt. Uh, we'll be there in, in just under three months for EBL Live. Miami, um, cold calling eek, says Joe Gill. Let's deal with this as well, look, because that's not, it's not necessarily about negotiating, but I've done it time and time again where people have th thanked me for calling and the cold calling doesn't have to be difficult. It's scary because the human side of our brain, the animal side rather, is just like, I don't want to get rejected. That's going to feel awkward and I get that. But if you have something genuinely valuable to offer and you don't, and you think genuine, like I really mean it, think Firstly, about the person you're actually trying to engage with. What are they actually going to want to hear? Which is you getting to the point and telling them how you can help them, not what your product does or your heritage or how you operate. No one cares about that. They care about how they win. If you focus on that first, they'll welcome you because you're being really helpful and then you take it from there. So give them value first and then earn the right to continue. It's a really important idea. And get it right, you just do get comfortable with it after one. And people are like, thanks, this is a really good idea, actually. This could really help me. Don't just spam call everyone, research here. And it's the same with anything. If you want to get somewhere, put in the effort beforehand, right? Uh, next question, though. Uh, Bob Lowe uh, has asked, we made it. 
because I know that Bob Lowe really wanted to have a, um, uh, uh, this topic for some time. So you've, ne needless to say, you've voted for negotiating. How do you negotiate with a client that is looking for a discount? So let's, let's be really clear before we answer the, in the practical terms. Do you even want to negotiate with someone who is looking for a discount? Because there are two types of people looking for a discount. Some of them do it deliberately because it is sport or they have to as policy. I've worked with so many people who are like, just so you know, I, I do have to ask for a discount. If we ever buy anything with our company, it's just what we do here. And some people just ask for the sake of it. And the hilarious thing is that a lot of salespeople think that if someone asks them for a discount, it means they have to give them a discount. No, it doesn't. It means that they've asked you for a discount and that's it. One thing to think about is, is the other side, which is they might be asking you for a discount because they're looking for a point of differentiation because actually they don't really care that much about what you have to offer. And so if someone doesn't believe in you enough and your product, they're looking for a discount to make it worthwhile. And the truth is that they, if they don't get it, then discounting to get a client isn't necessarily a good idea. There's a massive difference between someone who bought your product and someone who bought the product and wanted to buy the product. You can get people to buy products if you drop the price you know, enough, maybe, and if they're like, mm, okay, go on, I don't quite get why we're doing this, but give it a punt, and I don't really believe in you that much, and maybe a bit skeptical about you, they haven't been warmed up in the right way. They can still buy it, because they're like, I suppose we might want to give it a try. And then other people who like running at you, throwing their money, or even not even close as, as close to that, it's like people who are more than happy to, to jump on board because they're like, I just get it. You're clearly good. I see the results. It makes sense for us to try it out. And so the people who don't want to pay you often, uh, or they don't pay you full rate, often don't get the value offering unless your price point is just absurd. And so it's crucial this because it's a good idea um, to understand that if they really buy into you, and that has to be tested first, then you can talk about price. I've already mentioned this. This is a crucial part of negotiating. You check first in what's known as a pre-close. Just as a concept, what do you think? What do you think? In principle, is this something you see yourself making use of? If I'm offering a service to someone, I've explained brief summary of what they're going to get and how they win by it. And I just stop and say, just before I go any further, what do you think? I mean, in principle, give us some feedback. And if they're like, oh man, this is perfect, this is exactly what I'm after, now I'll talk price. Because I know now that they'll be like, yep, I see why you're charging that, because I've just articulated that I like what you have to offer. And again, if they're like, nah, I suppose it'd be all right, Might, we could look at it, you know, then giving the price, they're gonna be like, really? It's a bit much though, isn't it? Because they're not gonna feel the value. So when someone is looking for a discount, it typically represents they don't actually buy into you enough. So. How you negotiate with those people is you firstly ask yourself, do I want a headache client? You wanna work with people who want to work with you. Do I want a headache client who doesn't quite believe in me, is going to test me at every turn and say, why don't you do it this way? Or like, you know, you're the authority, you're the expert that they should be buying rather than them telling you what you should be doing in your job. They should be looking up to you and saying, wow, you, you've got this. So you need to make sure you're, you're you know, putting across that, 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 kind of, that kind of feeling to them. Um, but at the same time, they need to get it. And if they don't get it, then, then actually we potentially have a problem here. 
I don't want to be discounting someone like that to get a deal because I'd rather not have the money and a crappy client, um, or rather I'd, I'd rather have a, I'd rather not have the the money and, and lose that crappy client than than have um, a little bit of money and have someone who's like oh, yeah go on then and they're going to be more of a headache than the ones who pay more because they get it. And this sounds like an ideal, I know, but the truth is you should be working with ones who want to work with you. Otherwise, they're going to be testing you all the time. And not in a, not in a, and the truth is they should, people should be interested in what they've spent money in. But, but in essence, you don't want someone who's like, I don't, I don't get why you did that. Or why don't you do this? And constantly challenging the expertise that you should have. So it's really crucial to make sure that you're, you're um, uh, clear with yourself about that first. But bottom line, people are looking for a discount if they're not sold. Because if you pre-qualify or test your leads first, they will have enough money unless you're pitching the wrong person. If I pitch too far down the food chain, so if I don't pitch someone with enough authority, they won't have the budget. You know, if I pitch a child solar panels for the roof of their house, they can't afford it typically. It's the parent I should be pitching. And likewise with a business, if I don't pitch the top person, they can't decide to make a department, like take action and look at it or buy it. If I pitch someone miles down the food chain in a business, they're like, sounds great, but I can't afford it. So I need to make sure I'm pitching the right person. If I've got that bit right, then the negotiation with the client who is looking for a discount should start with, why do you, tell me about how you feel on the product first. Like, tell me, talk about, talk to me about the value. And if they don't see value in what you're offering, that's the problem, not the price. If you have to keep this client, because they've got an issue with your, with your pricing and they're looking for a discount, then the simple rules are, first, Ask them, so I've got a problem with focus on Facebook. There are the the, um, the 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 first rules are along the lines of look, um, make sure you're miserly. Like don't give them massive chunks of discount, like taking a third off the price. Take them sm take them down a small bit because that will set the tone for the pricing. First up, always ask them what they feel the, as a ballpark figure the price should be because that's when when someone's like, well, do you know if it was more like this then then I feel more comfortable. If you let them go first, then you have a sense of if they're gonna think it's, they think it's just utterly ridiculous and it needs to be a tenth of the price, or if it just needs to be a little bit lower in price. And again, as I said on Juice's uh, question, you can now make a decision on if you're willing to accept that price, okay? Going back and forth all the time is unnecessary. Let them go, see what they have to say, and if you accept it, then fine. But usually, and the reason why I've had this reaction, uh, Bob, is usually when someone is when someone's looking for a discount, it can mean that they're actually not that fussed about what you have to offer. Uh, Daniel Nunes has just posted here on, on Facebook that it sounds like communication is key. Communication's everything here. That means you're looking at, at how they're responding to you, but you're also being open about the fact you know how they're responding. So you say, it's interesting why you've asked for this. Like, like most people don't have a problem with what we're offering. Talk to me about why a discount's necessary. And they'll either say, I physically don't have the cash right now. Okay, or they'll be saying to you, just don't believe it's worth it. In which case, again, the problem is not the price, it's, it's the, the fact that you've not done a good enough job of selling the value to them. So that's a, a crucial way to, to judge how well you're doing. Give me a thumbs up if that's making sense. Thank you everyone for paying attention uh, and so far. It's great to see people still watching loads of you on um, Instagram, uh, some watching on, on Facebook and over on uh, LinkedIn as well. 
And uh, uh, Carolyn Mankowski, yes, sometimes it's not worth the headache. Quite frankly, it sucks all the fun out of what you do. The time you would be spending on a client that doesn't value is time you could be spending on someone who does. There's only so much more time in one day. And let's be clear, it's not like I don't want to interface with my clients. It's good to have the relationship and you know, not everything's always gonna be perfect, but you can often see if someone's gonna be a headache at the beginning. If they are, it's better to not bother. I've had someone in the past who um, is a higher price point than um, uh, another client had and they were wor totally not worth it because they were dragging me all the time over to them because they, they couldn't think for themselves. They needed me every two minutes. And it meant that I, I couldn't work with other clients and I could have got more money from, you know, all added, added together. I, I got a bit more money for this one, but it was just not worth it. And in the end, you have to kind of get rid of them. So it's not like I want this easy life where I don't have to do any work, but I don't want to have a client who doesn't believe in what we're offering them. That is mostly my like it's down to me to get that to be conveyed to them. But if they don't get it, then it really matters. Toma Caspi here has asked, how do you qualify them by budget? You can't just ask what's your budget. Quite right. Um, one thing to do at the start is ask questions that would relate to how much budget they might have. So you can ask things around along the lines of, you know, have you invested in things like this in the past? Um, well, you know, you could say things like uh, how much you invested this year in this kind of thing. It's a nice way of seeing how, how much people spend. I remember when I first offered consulting online, I remember spoke to one guy, uh, this was really early on, and he said, um, Richard, I've not even got a library book out, let alone invest in myself. I'm like, this person isn't used to spending on themselves. And then other people who brag about spending tens of thousands of dollars on coaching every year. So uh, that person, these people have perhaps a bit more of an appetite. So think about the questions that relate to the answers you're after as well. But often you can also check in on budget in terms of the size of the business. If someone gets, you know, if they've got a dozen people working in their company, they have to turn over a certain amount in order to pay these people, which means they've probably got enough money to pay you on the basis they see value in what you have to, to offer. It's stunning how people say things like, oh, well, a, a company's quite small or uh, they're based in certain areas. I don't think they'll have much money. It's nonsense because I've had singular people pay plenty of money monthly uh, so, so the truth is that the money is usually there. It's more about the appetite. And you can qualify them by budget um, simply by saying your price. And if you've done the value side right, they should be like, yeah, sure, that makes perfect sense. And if they're totally sold on it, they'll see that it makes sense. But you do find that if you're pitching a certain uh, a size of business, like one or two people, you're probably in the ballpark of them might have a particular, particular issue with your price based on what you're selling, of course. But the kind of thing you're offering, uh, Toma, you would need it to be a business perhaps with 10 people at least involved in it and, and making a little bit of wedge each month. Otherwise, you know, that's it's not going to be likely they can afford you. Um, but in truth, if they've got 10 people, they'd probably have the money, probably. But, you, you know, it... I think asking outright doesn't make sense at the start, but there's nothing wrong with asking how much money have you got in the budget if that has to come up a bit later because you've earned the right to because the rapport is good enough. People get scared about asking direct questions, but actually a bit of candor goes down really well. It, it removes any pretense and it gets people thinking, do you know what, let's just get real with each other. And it's a really nice direct way of working. And, and people I've found really respect that a lot. So my point is, 
you can ask that question, but just not at the start because you have to kind of build up to it. And, and no one's going to tell you how much money they've got unless they trust you enough and unless there's context. And the context should be that you're talking about how much money they need to be paying. But um, if you're speaking to the very top person in the company, then you tend to have less of an issue there than if you speak to someone further down the food chain. In the world of marketing, for example, which I know that you and uh, Matan are in with your business, Toma, it's very likely that um, it's tempting to speak to marketing managers, in which case it is very unlikely you've got someone who controls the entire purse string, so they will have a smaller budget. It's just how businesses tend to work. So I think you need to always go to the very top because then on the basis the business is big enough, you possibly don't have so much of an issue. So it's a difficult question to ask, uh, to answer, but the truth is you can ask that question with the right context and if you've earned the right by having enough trust and, and, um, and kind of comfort in it and approachability in speaking with you in the conversation. Patricia Freudenberg has asked, how about partnering or sponsoring? Do uh, flesh that out, Patricia. Uh, what do you mean by the, in that is that by the question, uh, as in how do you negotiate it? Um, I always, always, always want to create a situation where um, the sell is essentially done by warming an audience through what I have to offer. So what I mean here is someone has, someone approaches me uh, or, or they have an awareness of what I do and therefore they're keen to work with me because they've seen the results for themselves. Typically, if someone comes to me and says, can you help my business with its LinkedIn strategy? It's because they're seeing the post and going, Wow, every day gets thousands of views and masses of engagement rather than, I wonder if this guy knows what to do on LinkedIn. You know, they've warmed themselves up and they, they, they're seeing that post after post is demonstrable evidence of ability. Um, and so they come to me a bit more in a receptive space than anything else. And so things like partnering or sponsoring, uh, uh, Patricia, if this is what you're asking, um, that's always, there's never been a negotiation really. It's always been like, you know what? do you want to work together in some form? So I've kind of earned it by making sure I've warmed them up through the different channels I use. Um, but another rule here in terms of negotiation is you always need to know what's important to you and also establish through effective questions what's important to them. Because certain elements of what your proposition is uh, that you feel is relevant to, uh, or, or, sorry, let me rephrase, elements of your proposition that you believe is amazing isn't necessarily amazing to the other person. If I'm selling Ferraris and I feel that a Ferrari is an amazing thing because of the way the engine's been made, that doesn't mean a buyer will feel the same, right? It might be that they buy Ferraris because it's iconic, right? Or it might be the opposite. I might be, I sell a Ferrari and I think it's just the best car. You really should buy it because the major benefit is you're buying the, the mark, you know, the badge of that Ferrari, the, the Ferrari badge. It really matters having that horse on it. But the buyer might be like, no, no, man, this is nothing to do with that. I love the fact that its stats outperform the Porsches, therefore I want it. And so people feel differently about different things. So you need to think about what, what they need and what it is that, that you need as well before an effective negotiation can really happen. Uh, next up, Daniel Nunes, how do you know when you're asking too much? This is really hard, this one. It obviously depends on the product you're offering as well. Every, the reason why it's hard is it's, even if you were, you're selling the same person every day, that would be weird, but even if you were, hypothetically, um, their view of what's too much changes daily based on how they are. You go sell B to C, go and sell someone on the first of the month, 
they are all feeling flush. You sell something at the end of the month, no one has any money because they've spent it all. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, this is why um, Cyber Monday or Black Friday or whatever, these things are all thought through because it's typically after everyone's been paid at the end of the month, most people are paid like the 25th, the 28th or whatever. And then the first week of the next month is when everyone goes and splurges all of their cash. So you've got to remember that people's views as individuals change like the wind, let alone a demographic or, or grouping of people. So it's kind of hard to do this, but you're asking too much when you test enough and you just keep getting resistance. I've had a good rule, which is if you don't know what to charge, charge something to get a deal, fine, and then move up each time you do a sale, charge a bit more to the next one, and see, and eventually get that kind of resistance starting to happen. Um, but you'll also feel, do you know what, I'm losing here, I, I'm maybe getting a deal and they feel all right, but, but like, I'm not getting paid enough, so without being greedy, you should be thinking like, what am I, what's my time really worth? And, and obviously you factor in costs and things like that as well. But you're asking too much, if they see the value and then when you give them the price, uh, they see the value and they've, they've said to you, yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Then you give them the price and they're like, what? Oh, wow, that's way too much. Okay, so if they get it, but then the price doesn't seem to make sense, then that's a good example. Maybe you're going a bit too high. Um, uh, conversely, if you, if you show them the value and they're like, oh, uh, okay, and then for some weird reason you still give them the price, they're like, oh, that's all right then. What you've done there is you've you've basically sold them on something they weren't that impressed with by making the point of differentiation the price and not the value. Two are separate things. It's really important to differentiate here. One of the biggest takeaways here today is, is that you must differentiate between price and value. And if you can pre-sell someone on value, as in, in principle, do you like it and want to do it? And they say, yes, you're in a great place then to give them the price, they've earned the right to hear it. So good question, Daniel, but a very difficult one to do. Um, I would always suggest, even if you have a sense that they might not be able to afford it, you give them your price anyway. What you normally charge, you give it anyway. Even if you know in the back of your head, like, they're not going to be able to afford this, we're going to negotiate anyway, you still give them the price because that's making the statement of, but this is what we're worth. This is what people pay us normally. Right. So even if people expect a discount and you expect to give one, it's still is important to say, Here's the price point, because that's how we view this as being worth. And if they're like, that's ridiculous, well, no negotiation is wise right now. Again, they need to be sold on that. Okay, Tommy Caspi's added here on Facebook. You're right, most of the time we ask, how much do you spend per month on advertising? Then we understand the range of, of the client. Sure you can. Um, one thing to do is, is understand if they feel they've spent all their money on advertising, ask about different budgets. So someone might be saying, yeah, our marketing budget's all spent up. Fine, this is a sales proposition, really. So, so we should be coming from a sales budget. You might be able to do things differently that way. Again, going to the very top person means they maybe look at it more from a, a company spend point of view. Bottom line is negotiation never really is necessary when someone really, really wants to do it. Same with anything. If you want it enough, you tend to find you get that deal, or rather if they want it enough, you get that deal. Um, Victor Horacasitas, experience with media partnerships, do's and don'ts with media partnerships. Big deal here is making sure you don't lose your integrity 
in terms of what you're giving away. I've worked with plenty of media partnerships and a lot of time it's like, can we have our logo here and here and here and here? And can you email your list, Richard, you know, five times? It's like in a week, it's like, no, because I screw over my audience just so you win. So make sure that you're, um, you're not about to screw your audience just for the one deal. It's really wise to not do that. Um, I think also be just like zoom out for a minute and say, is working with this media partner going to cause difficulty with me working with others or those I've worked with in the past as well? You know, just check there's no conflict of interest. And does it preclude, does it kind of really stop me from not being able to sell to another uh, company along the same lines? Media partnerships, I feel, don't always have to be involving money. Um, I learned selling media partnerships called contra deals, where you help a media uh, public or publishing house and they help you through no exchange of money, but just exchange of value. For instance, you've got a big uh, hitting website. Can we get stuff on your website? And in return, we've got a, you know, a strong email list that we'll, we'll post on your behalf. So some bartering or sense of value uh, exchange there instead. That's what's worked with me. Uh, so I hope that helps. Experience, anything else as well with, with media partners? I think that um, it's surprise, you, you, need to, you need to decide what things are soft and not so important and what things are kind of really important to you. Obviously money, fine, if that's a feature, but it's easy to snag a few other, uh, extra little things that maybe don't mean so much to other people. Testimonials, logo on a website, uh, a cheeky little insert inside their weekly newsletter. Think about all the periphery stuff as well um, that can not, uh, add to a bit of padding. Um, ask for a bit more. If someone comes to you and says, you know, if you, if you want, you can be one of our sponsors. Like, sure, I'll sponsor your event, but uh, you know, in terms of our list, but I, I want a speaker slot as well. You know, see if you can ask for other things too, because in the main, you tend to find there's all these other periphery things that can go around it rather than just the exchange of things one-to-one. -one. And what that allows you to do is instead of play around the, with the price, you play around with the value. And if someone wants you to maybe pay a bit more, or in fact, if it's the other way around, if they want to pay you a bit less, you can add these periphery things instead to build up value and not mess around with the price. Again, price should be the last thing you play with. Uh, a couple more questions before we finish. Uh, Guy Toust, I hope I said your name right this time, uh, <laughs> over in France, I think you are. How do you know when to stop negotiation and stay fixed with your offer? Uh, so I think that you need to bear in mind firstly that you need to win too. In a negotiation, they should feel great. I feel I've won here. It's always good if you make them work for it a little bit, play hard to get perhaps. Uh, but, but the truth is you need to feel like, they need to feel like they've, they've won something, they've worked for it. Uh, if it's too easy, if you're just cutting massive amounts off the price and you're just throwing things in, it, that thrill of the chase isn't there and people need to feel like they've won in the sense that they've worked hard enough to, to get something that helps build the value essentially. But if you lose out because they get their deal and uh, maybe they don't pay too much, but now you've got no money because you didn't really get much out of it, but technically you've got a client, you're not going to feel very good. So a really good idea prior to any call or meeting, whatever, is just have a quick word with yourself and say, what are my minimums here? What's my minimum I'm willing to walk away with? It's the same as when you're investing, actually. Uh, you know, you invest in a company, you say, here's our minimum. Like so, so. If a price was to go beneath here, I will make sure I um, uh, I won't go that far. I will get out. And it's the same here with the, with the negotiation. It's always wise to have a floor and say this is as low as I'm going to go. If they push me any further, don't just say like like no. Here's what I'd ideally want to get, which is my price. 
here's a soft floor and like a hard for us to be this. I'm just not going to go any lower. I think it's a wise way to take it because that way you, ma you make sure you're not going to, um, you don't just don't get yourself screwed. And you want to have that lucidity that you get when you're not on the call, not in the meeting, you're not emotionally involved. Just say to yourself, what's the minimum I'm willing to accept? I need to take that into this kind of thing. Um, so, but also I think that if you've got to recognise that a lot of people are are doing are often trying to negotiate or ask for discounts for sport, so it's wise to say to like is this person just doing it for the sake of it? And and I think that reticence to begin with with a negotiation, um, on the basis that a really good thing to dare you to try is in fact I say dare because a lot of people are scared to when they sniff sniff that they might have a deal. Um, is to try saying, well, well, no, we don't don't negotiate on price, but I can look at what the package looks like. Just don't say no. In the same way, and then often, honestly, I reckon half the time people people have probably said to me, okay, well, never mind, worth the try, and then they pay the normal rate. You know, so if I was negotiating, I, I often ask for a discount just for sport, for fun, right? So it doesn't mean you have to discount, you need to qualify if that's the case. But you to stop negotiating, it's like, how far do you really want to go? And what does the negotiation represent? If you're lowering your price by, say, 20%, are they getting 20% less value? Are you taking anything away? What's, what is it in it for you? And if he, even if it's like, well, I don't feel I can take anything off, we'll get something in return. If they're getting something, then you should get something in return. You know, even if it's, uh, give me a recommendation on LinkedIn. Give me a, after the first month, I want a testimonial. Whatever it might be, something in return. But if you feel like it's starting to be too much, and again, this is difficult, this has to be get down to like how much of my product is being taken away here or how much of my price is being scythed away and, and, and they're getting that, that, it's starting to be that the balance is making me feel a bit uneasy. Just that's the point we go, look, we're not gonna be able to go any further from here, so we'll leave it at that. There's no number of times that you, you bounce it back and forth, but typically it should be, here's my price, if there's a problem, they give their price, and then you counter, and that's really it really one more round of it wouldn't be shouldn't be necessary anymore and it's just like this is getting silly now like what are we going to do and then that's it and negotiation like that should happen really in the moment it shouldn't be back and forth over months across emails it should be reasonably short space of time because people are feeling bought into the value in that in that particular moment so it's a very good question but you should also it's difficult because you don't know for sure, as you can probably tell in my answer, it's quite difficult. But but one thing I do suggest again is you test first, Guy. Uh, what this means is you're saying, look, before we go any further, I mean, if they're like, look, the price is too much, let's just be clear here. How are you feeling about the product in general? If they're like, no, no, I really, really like it. It's just the price. Then maybe I can do it. But the truth is um, that that shouldn't happen so much because you've, you have so much control here. Before you engage with that person, have you qualified the lead as much as you can? Have you done a little bit of research? What does their business look like as much as you can see? Online nowadays, you can check a lot. Uh, and in addition to that, have you qualified along the way that they really like what you're talking about? If not, don't go near the price, don't make an offer yet, they're not sold yet, okay? Um, let's do one more question, just check in with LinkedIn. Uh, writer Pooja Dube, hello from India. What can you give us as clues if the person is negotiating just for sport or is really interested in your product but seeing price as a barrier? The answer here is, well, as I've just said, um, uh, Pooja, is to say, Firstly, qualify, are you sold on the value? I mean, just as a concept, what do you think? If they're like, if you're now listening to how effusive they are, and you can do extra layers of qualification there, you can say things like, um, 
So what's the bit you like the most? Not are you interested? It's a terrible question because everyone you speak to should be interested because didn't you qualify them as a a ideal target for this? So don't ask if they're interested. Ask what part is of most interest, which of course infers that all of it's interesting and they need to tell you which part they like the most. So they're going to say, you know, I like this bit the most. Okay. Do you think you'll use that bit or how's it going to drill down and get them to talk about how much they're going to use it and how much they love it? Because now we're in a place where they're like, okay, no, I'm really qualifying to you that I like it. Now, if they ask for a discount, my standard is to, is to typically say, well, my, not really anything I can do. This is the price. Okay. And look at their reaction there. And if they're like, if they're all crestfallen, then it's typically because they needed a price. To be, to be a bit lower, or if they're like, oh, okay, never mind, it, mean, it means it didn't matter to them, they're just doing it for sport, okay? You can usually tell it's your intuition, and without question, experience helps here because you can feel it. It's a weird thing, and you can feel it, so you need to spend as much time as possible doing this kind of thing. But the bottom line is, is as long as you're happy with what you leave with, then there's no big deal. There's nothing wrong with negotiation if it means that they feel happy and you feel happy enough. There's no problem with it because especially if you run your own thing, like who cares? You, you know, it's not always about the money. There are so many opportunities when I've deliberately left money on the table. I could have squeezed them. I didn't want to ever screw anyone, but I could really squeeze someone and definitely make a bit more money. But I know then they'll be like, hmm. they'd be thinking about the fact they'd spent that much more money. I'd want people to feel good and buy as opposed to buy. There's a difference. And I feel, and you learn this, I think, with the experience that you can, you can use technique to get the most money from people. And if you use the right technique, you do get that money from them, but with a smile. Um, but actually, if, if you are squeezing them and starting to make them feel a bit uncomfortable, but they still buy and you end up getting the extra money out of them, that's nothing to really be that proud of. Good use of sales technique to leverage more money, but now have you got a client that doesn't actually feel so great? And you need to retain this good account management, if you like, for the long term. You need to retain that feeling of like, wow, what a great deal we got there. Uh, but in addition, I, I feel like we, we're, we're winning, rather than resentment, which is the last thing you want, isn't it? Um, let's finish up. Uh, um, Al, Big Al Darnell Jr., has uh, written, one of the biggest aspects of negotiations I've found is at the end, making sure the final contract and agreement is in writing, specify the terms actually agreed upon the way it was agreed upon and signed and in place. Um, I think you're right, and it's important to make sure we're clear on that. A lot of people like, the inexperienced people like nice conversations. Nice conversations feel good. And a nice conversation is when that person gets on with you. And that if you're not being a professional, what it looks like is just ignoring the end part. Being a pro means checking that everything's going to happen and saying things, asking things like, so if you're good to go and if you're happy that price, if we send you a contract now, are you happy to sign it and go ahead? And, uh, and if the answer is, you know, subject to terms, then yes, then you're good. But just like they have to earn the right to hear your price by proving they're like the value of the proposition in the first place, they have to prove to you that they're going to do it in order to earn the contract from you. It needs to be flipped on its head. Not, no one was ever sold through a proposal email. No one was ever sold through an email with a contract attached. No one's like nudged over the line because you sent them the contract. It doesn't help by sending them everything. 
because what you're trying, and I get it's intuitive, it doesn't help to get someone over the line because you've given them everything so now they can decide everything themselves. It, all it does is it gives you, well, it loses your control. It's better to give them each stage as they earn it. So if they're like, I love this, we're gonna do it, that doesn't mean send them a proposal. It means send them a contract. You check, you know, you could to go ahead then. Yeah, if I send you the contract now, will you sign it? Yes, cool. What you did, there's no sense in sending proposals. And if they're happy with the contract and you send it over, when you send it over, then good. But if they want to squeeze, uh, affect terms or squeeze terms, uh, Al, then, then that's, you need to know your terms inside out. And one thing I learned very early on with the, um, uh, the, 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 the negotiating I did um, like 15, 16 years ago was it's easy to know, uh, to, to be ready for the upside. Everyone knows what to do when someone says yes or so wants to sign up. It's not easy to be ready for the downside. So it's essential to make sure that as well as being ready just to ping out a contract and receive a yes, it's also important to be ready to handle questions on your terms. Rather than having to say, oh, I have to get back to you, I don't know, it's better to know your terms inside out as well and, and know what points you might be able to wriggle on because that will be looked at typically by someone who knows what they're talking about. Let's do last, one last question. Toma Caspi's, how to change the, the negotiation from price to value? Often it's a good idea, again, to, just, to, just to say, look, like, how are we feeling right now about what I'm offering? And if there's anything other than a resounding, I love it, then, then they're not interested in, in the product enough and they're looking for a point. Basically, if, you, if there's nothing that's really sparking the imagination, they're trying to apply a point of differentiation through lowering a price, okay? So that's what we're trying to avoid there. You wanna step, take a step back and say, say to yourself like, or find out from them rather, what areas do you find interesting here? What areas are interesting to you? What bits did you like the most? and um, add components or value on there or go deeper into how that's gonna help them and get them really sold on the bits that can help or add new parts of value. Don't worry about the price so much, build more value along the things they're actually keen on. And if you can do that, it means you can leave price alone and bring them in to, okay, yeah, now I, now I really like this and so now the price feels right, okay? Price or the perception of price being too expensive or not is a relative thing. And it's based on the perception of the value that they've got. So that's crucial. Uh, changing the negotiation from price to value is about stopping and checking in with them on how they see the value term. And that's what you need to be doing. So let's just stop here. Let's get real for a second. How are you feeling about what we're actually offering right now? And that's crucial sometimes to interrupt them going round and round and round about price all the time because actually some people get so caught up in it they lose sight of why you're having the conversation in the first place or why you even got to the price point because actually that that's the bit where they're like yeah i really like this so often it's important to kind of bring them back onto those rails and see where you drop the ball a bit or where you could improve things and then maybe revisit the price afterwards it's a process but it's really important to take that understanding that the perception of value is everything uh and it's not fixed typically ever by lowering a price. It's fixed by making sure they're good enough on the value. If they simply don't have enough money, technically can't afford it, as opposed to don't want to spend the money on it, if they technically can't afford it, that's your fault you've called the wrong person or you've approached the wrong person, you've not qualified the lead as someone who has the right kind of budget or, or has 
probably the kind of right kind of ballpark and so you move on rather than drop the price go to someone who can afford it instead that's a different question that's about qualifying those people you're calling uh, let's finish there i think there's so much we could talk about and i'm we, I think it's, it's fair to say we've barely scratched the surface and a lot of these questions obviously based on um, individual uh, demands, but it's a really interesting uh, conversation. I think we'll have to cover this again. Thank you so much to those of you joined on Instagram. Great to see you here today. Uh, I'll catch you soon. Thank you very much to those who watched on Facebook.